Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, church, if I had no idea the church could be so much fun. Th these guys are better than any late night comedians. They are better than anybody. I just feel relaxed, I feel happy, I feel I'm laughing. Just brilliant pastors. But I have to say this, that the, um, I was next to Pastor John Heinrichs from Balboa and I was trying to, to teach him. Every moment is a teaching moment. I was trying to teach him. There was a moment where Rex was in a flow under the anointing. And then I watched Rex go, he kind of did this thing with his feet and his face. And then uh, he, he began to call out words of knowledge and pray for people and miracles happen. And I said to John, I said, John, did you just see what happened? He goes, yeah, yeah, you know, he kind of did this thing with his feet. I said, no, no, John. The thing with his feet was because the, the, in, the, in the spirit and in the invisible, you, you could see that something just shifted. The, the anointing went up and miracles began to break out. And... Uh, it was very, very, it was very, very beautiful for me this year. I, I was very, very intentional. I, I only wanted to really preach on the first night. And then Samuel and I kind of made sure that we set the thermostat on what the awards look like because you got these 52 teams battling on the field. And last year was like, if you could have said, hey, Pastor, what's the worst possible way that we could present the trophy? I couldn't have written a script as good as they did it last year. They absolutely... It was dreadful, dreadful. So I'm like, they're not, so I said, show me what you got. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we're not doing any of that. And uh, who have you got to do it? Okay, well, they're not doing it. And uh, I need people with personality up there. And uh, so I said, so I thought, who's got, I said, Samuel. I said, me and Samuel are gonna go up. We're gonna show you how to do it. Because two, two years ago, two years ago, they get it down to the top 10, they have the top 10 on the, on the stage and then, you know, it gets down to the three. And then, you know, third place is announced. And instead of, instead of announcing second, there's just, there's two people who have led their teams in war on the field, you know, broken bones, you know, blood, sweat and tears on the field. And they announce the winner. And so the person who came second is left there to feel like, oh, I'm a loser. I'm like, no, no, we're going to honor. We're going we're to say these people come third. Second place. Once you announce second, you know who the winner is. But let second at least be honored. They, they beat 50 other teams. They, they defeated 50. So Samuel and I did that. But what was interesting, what, the highlight for me, and I'm going to let you sit down, I promise in a minute. The highlight for me was we had the floor. Then we had the first platform where... You know, Pastor Chad and, and uh, Pastor Paul and the, the, the team, the musicians were on. And then it went up another three steps and then you're on the main stage. And I was watching, I was watching as, as Pastor Samuel, Pastor Samuel was, was waiting to do his transition and moment and kind of injection into the, the thing. And, and Pastor Samuel stood down there. But something happened. He, he, 
gets up onto the platform, onto this platform, and I watched his whole demeanor change. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's an apostolic, there was an apostolic anointing on the platform, a breakthrough anointing. And then he just lit the place up, authority, but it wasn't yelling authority, it was authority with clarity, with confidence, with conviction, with prophetic. And so he comes down, I said, two questions. Number one, what did you do with Samuel and who the heck are you? Because it was Pastor Samuel there, but it was Apostle Sam on there. And then I watched the same with Pastor Matt Tuggle, Pastor Charles Fuller. There was, there was a, and, and so just get ready because you're going to see Pastor, Pastor Sam going into new levels of leadership. You can't, once you step into that, it's very hard to come back to. So I was just honored to be surrounded by such great generals. So would you honor Pastor Sam and Pastor Jesse Sullivan, Pastor Lance? Just powerhouses. And then uh, can we also put our hands together? Simon Punka from Boise, Idaho is here. You may or may not know Simon, but Simon literally, literally, we bought a building on the freeway and this man has donated hundreds and hundreds of hours to put flooring in and paint walls and remove things and oversee the project up there. And he's, uh, he's one of my favorite people. His nickname is Ruski Midvit, which is the Russian bear. And uh, if you hug him, you'll realize why Ruski Midvit the Russian bear is his nickname. And how many people are so excited to meet little Oliver Jurgen today? I can't wait. I mean, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Little Ollie, Ollie Jurgen. It just, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to preempt anything, but anyway, give two or three people a high five and tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking musicians. You guys can go and take a break. Joshua Judges, Joshua Judges, Joshua Judges. I, I, uh, I, I got home. One of my wife's love languages is quality time. One of them. One of her love languages. In fact, when I bought the, uh, the book, the, the Five Love Languages, Pastor Cat, I thought I would sit with my beautiful bride and she would, you know, she would pick or she would reveal. She'd just say, out of these five, this is my primary one. This is a secondary one. And as we're going through it, it became very, very obvious to me that she wasn't going to pick. As we're going through all five, she said, I, I like all five. Like, yeah, but like according to the author, every one of us have, has a predominant one. She goes, why do I have to have a predominant one? Because the psychologist author said so. She goes, what if, what, if, what if they're all five? And I'm like, well, how will I know? She goes, you've got to guess. Yeah. And does, it, does, it, does it change like with the year? No. With the month? No. With the day? No. With the hour? Try moment. Yeah. Try moment. <laughs> Is... 
is there punishment if I get it wrong? Oh yeah, you better. But and so anyway, so I'm 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 ready to go with all five. Hector, you're looking concerned right now. Why are you concerned? Hector's got this concerned look right now. Um, sorry, Hector. <laughs> okay, I know my wife, but it changes every. Anyway, so last night I realized it was quality time. In fact, she, it was quality time because I was tired. I usually know it's the one that's going to hurt me the most is the one that she's. That's that just happens to be the one on the top of the list. So so we went to uh, uh, Saturday night. We just do this random thing where we just go to to Roos Chris and. Just believe God that there's no no reservation, just a table in the in the kind of the, the bar area. And they've got a great little great it's a great little deal. $48 and you get a, a, a filet mignon and a, a glass of wine. So we're like, oh, unbeatable. So anyway, so we turn up and then just there's plenty of tables, so we sit down and uh, she wants to know everything that happened. And I just I just I started, Hector, I started, and then I just I'm not sure whether it was the altitude down at, but I think it was the altitude. My eyes kept sweating and I just lost it. When I thought of we had hundreds of men baptized, it was freezing. And it didn't stop men from getting baptized. I, I would honestly say that three out of every four men that hugged me wept saying, this has changed my life. This has changed my life. The, the stories of one, one man was there. One man was there and he he came and after the first night, he said, I did not have an encounter with God. And I'm like, what lousy preach? Oh, that was me. And I said, obviously I failed. And so second day, he hadn't had an encounter with God. And he said he came not wanting to live anymore. And he was, he'd attempted suicide before, but this time he was going to go and do it. And then um, Pastor Morgan just said, just give God one more. And the very next session... He gets called out, has an encounter with God, power of God hits him and everything shifts and he was bawling, demons came out, he was delivered, multiple demons and freedom and breakthrough and it was just happening again and again and again to, to watch the captains not only rallying on the, the sports field. You know, um, we, we, we're in a war in our culture and the reason we're in a war in our culture is the devil has come in. And, but I, I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of in a place where I believe that the devil comes in because the church backed up. I believe that we bought a lie from the devil. The devil said, listen, if, if, you'll, if you'll just dial down truth, more people will come into your churches. And the pastor's like, what? More people will come in? So I'll, I'll look, yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to, to, to fix the broken father affirmation you never got, you can just warm your hands over here with, oh yeah, oh, oh, they'll, oh they'll invite you to their conference to speak. You got thousands of people. Just dial down truth. Just go, go seeker friendly. Don't even mention the name Jesus because it's offensive. Just run all kinds of great programs and have a basketball league and great facilities and people will come into your church. Don't preach any. So while we backed up from preaching truth, there wasn't, there wasn't a void. The devil just came right up with deception. The devil came right up with lies. The devil's lies have never helped one human being, but they've destroyed 
billions of human beings. So our job is to push back against. So I'm watching our leaders, our our warriors, uh, espouse masculinity because the the culture, the devil has told us that masculinity is toxic. And so any any expression of masculinity, biblical masculinity, and if you want to know what is masculinity, masculinity is that which is least feminine. What's feminine, femininity? Femininity is that which is least masculine. God made it that way. Male and female, two magnificent expressions, completely different, not competing but complementing one another. So we saw men... Graham, we saw men give everything they had, put their physical. But then I'm watching as David is watching as, as our leaders are around the, the campfires with men weeping with their burdens, things that they've been carrying, things that they've been struggling. Every man is given a burden and the goal of the burden is everything on the inside that you're ashamed of, everything on the inside that you, you feel guilt and, and condemnation, everything on the inside that you're struggling that you haven't been able to talk to a brother about, you get a permanent marker and you write it. It's a permanent marker because you write it on, the, on, on a piece of wood, on a burden that you carry. But then on Friday night, you get around the campfire, you confess your sins one to another and you pray for one another that you may be healed and then that thing with the is thrown into the fire and the fire consumes the wood and consumes everything written on the wood to bring freedom. The same leaders, the same leaders, you know, chest bumping and warfare on the, on the battlefield were the same leaders praying like priests. They were kings on the field and they were priests around the fire. How many people know that the goal of Emerge is to bring masculinity back? We're not going to let the devil, we're not going to let the world, we're not going to let some university, world-educated clown redefine what the Bible says about masculinity. We're bringing masculinity back. So the title of my message today is Valor, is Valor. I better have a look. Oh dear. Okay, time is flying. All right, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Judges chapter 6. It opens up with the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Everyone say evil. evil. Say magma. <laughs> say evil. Molten lava. Okay, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord hands them over to the Midianites who come in as numerous as the locusts and they eat everything, they destroy everything, they leave no sustenance for Israel. So Israel are now living in the, the, the rocks, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains and they cry out to God. So God sends them a prophet and he says, it's because you've backed up from my word, chaos is happening out here. It's because you've done evil, it's because you've backed up, the enemy has come in. If you press forward, you'll push the enemy out. America is in a place right now that because we've backed up, we used to have Bible in schools, not anymore. We used to have the thing, not anymore. We used to, so because we backed up, the enemy has come in. But that's okay, that's okay. The church has just got to stop backing up and start stepping up. We've got to start pushing forward. We saw 3,100 men this weekend get their push forward, get their stand up on the inside. Now come down to verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah Winfrey's house, excuse me, which was in Oprah. 
which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles which our fathers told about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us? He's delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the angel turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Just completely ignored. He completely ignored Gideon's whining. Heaven, Heaven operates on a frequency, and the frequency is faith. If you're trying to, if you're trying to tune into to heaven frequency, it's faith. www.faith.com. Now you're hearing from heaven. Up until everything, whining, whining.com goes straight to the pit of hell. Then the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in his might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you?" So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I've found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it is you who talk to me, which is the weirdest thing. Like, show me a sign that it's you who, who's talking to me. Like as if God's going to say, all right, you got me. I'm somebody else. <laughs> like I appear to you. Anyway, God, God is very accommodating. So he says, do not depart from here, I pray, until I bring out to you my offering. Offering. Until I bring out to you my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. It's amazing how many people don't encounter God because... They have problems with offerings. And he says, I'll wait until you come back. Verse 19. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket. He put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat, the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then God had to speak to him again. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. I didn't turn up to kill you. I'm yeah. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. The Lord is Peace. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass that same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the wooden image that is beside it, build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the woods. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants, did as the Lord commanded him, but because he feared his father's household and the men's city too much, he did it to do it by day, he did it by night. Anyway, lots in there, great story. If you know anything from the story, we don't have time to go into it. After that, Gideon rises up. They even change his name. Gidon means warrior or, or strong one. One who cuts in pieces is the name Gideon. Gidon in Hebrew. But they, after this, 
that all the men, when they see the altar of Baal and the wooden image, the Asherah pole that was beside it, destroyed and burnt down, they said, who did this? The man who did this deserves to die. And Joash, Gideon's dad, now comes out from under the spell because it was in his yard. He said, I'll host an altar to Baal. He says, hang on, hang on, hang on. If Baal really is a God, let him defend defend himself. And so they literally changed Gideon's name to let God plead. Let God plead. Or let the, excuse me, let Baal plead. Let, let the false God, this little G God, let, let the devil plead. When you start standing up, when you start pushing back, when you find your valor, we kind of base the whole conference around Gideon, you mighty, he didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. He was hiding in a wine press. Wine press. So today the title of my message is Valor. I want to give you three quick thoughts, that three th- quick things that we learned from the conference. The first one is valor attracts power. Valor attracts power. Uh, it, it, this, this is something that's, that is not preached, it's not popular to preach, it's almost dangerous for a preacher to preach. But I need you to understand God is not, his power doesn't land on doctrine. His power doesn't land on theology. He does, his power does not land on how religious you are. If, if, if that was the case, the Pharisees would have been the ones with power. But the Pharisees in Jesus' day were powerless. They were powerless. They were legalistic. They were manipulators. They were hypocrites. The power wasn't working in their life. And so there was no power flowing out of their life. But when Jesus came, he came with power. Jesus came with power. John the Baptist had power. Jesus had power. The power of God is attracted to courage. Valor means courage. Every time God brought a miracle in the Bible, it was preceded by courage. God said to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. If you want to see God's power, step out in courage. Step out in courage. There's a Goliath, a nine foot nine giant. And there's a a young David, also known Graham Graham Desert, who is 16 years of age, he walks into a valley, nobody else would fight Goliath. He goes into a valley without any armour, without any protection, but he goes in there with courage and God meets him in that valley. And that day, the giant who was a champion, who was undefeated, who was a man of war from his youth, who was expert with sword, expert with combat, expert with battle, expert with with, um, spear, with javelin, an expert warrior was defeated by a teenage boy with God and courage. God lands on courage. Gideon ends up defeating the Midianites. They go down there outnumbered. They've got 30,000 men and he reduces it to 300. The original 300 is Gideon. Hollywood didn't do the original 300. The original 300's in the Bible. It was Gideon. They were out, out, outnumbered 100 to 1 when they had just the 300. And God, because Gideon was, was courageous enough to obey God, even though against all odds. In fact, if anything, he increased their odds 
odds of defeat. But God says, you need more of my power, so I need more courage on the inside of you. In 2020, everybody told me that if I keep on this track, if we keep standing up, if we keep the church doors opening, if we keep pushing back on the mandates, if we keep if we keep doing what we're doing, I'm not going to have a church left. People ain't going to invite me and people ain't going to do this. Well, in 2020, we bought Salt Lake City campus. We bought El Cajon campus. In 2020, we opened San Marcos campus. People told me to abort. They're like, just bail out. Bail. But it's 2020. Most churches are running 15%. I was talking to one of the other big mega church pastors here in San Diego, and he was telling me that I was crazy for opening San Marcos. He's like, we're running 15%. He says, most churches at the best are running 15 to 20% of what it was pre-pandemic. Why would you open your largest campus and keep this one? At least sell this one and play it safe. But here's what I found, that when I play it safe, God is, is not there. God doesn't turn up in your play it safe. God turns up when you take, step out in courage. He's a God, His power is attracted to courage. God looks for courage. Joshua, be courageous. One of my favorite stories is Shammah. Shammah is a guy in the Bible. He was one of David's mighty men where the Bible says that everybody fled. The Philistines, the Philistine army had come in and all the Israelites were fleeing. And, and as they're fleeing, they're running through a field of lentils. And he realizes, hang on, we just, this, is, this isn't Philistine territory. This is Israelite territory. And the Bible says that Shema turned around, stopped running, and unsheathed his sword and stood alone, stood by himself in a field of lentils. And when the Philistine army gathered, that they were telling him, we're going to take this field of lentils and then this is what we're going to do to you. And Shema said, bring it. And the Bible says that day Shema defeated the Philistines. The Lord brought about a great victory because Shema was willing to stand where nobody else stood. The power of God came. The power of God came. Years later, they would call one of the names of God. In fact, it was the name of the, the, the New Jerusalem, the, the temple. They would call it Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is there. The Lord, God turns up. That's what Shema means, is there. The Lord turns up where courage is. God turns up where courage when you, is. When, when you start making the courage... To, to lead, when you make the courage to confess, when you make the men around the campfire, things that they were ashamed of, things that they were struggling with, as soon as they found the courage, as soon as they found the courage to step up, God's power went there. When you find the courage to, to, to apologize to your spouse, when you find the courage to, to a, a, a repent because of a, a bad moment, a, a loss of, of self-control where in anger or rage you said something or did something and now there's a, a, a distance between you and your son or you and your daughter. When you have the courage to say, honey, son, I was wrong. Daddy was wrong. When you find courage, you'll find God turns up. God's power is attracted to valor. Can somebody say amen? Number two, this one you're not going to like, sorry. Number two is valor chooses the pain that alters. Valor chooses the pain that alters. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. On Friday night when I was preaching, I, I showed a clip from Equalizer 2, one of the best movies. And Denzel Washington's on a train to Turkey and he's in the bar cart and they're like, hey, uh, you shouldn't be here. We've, 
this very, very wealthy man has booked the bar cart and, you know, he's sit, sitting there and he gets into a conversation and the man says, why are you traveling to Turkey? He says, well, I'm looking for something. And then he turns to his man and his men make a joke, oh, you can find anything you're looking for in Turkey. And so Denzel Washington says to the guy, says, oh, well, you know, if I'm looking for a man who, he's not a real man, he's a coward of a man. He, he kidnapped his daughter, not because he loves his daughter, but because he wants to punish his ex-wife. He says, if I'm looking for that kind of man, do you think I can find him? And this guy, you now it's very awkward, and he's like, I would not be looking for a man like this. He would be very dangerous for you. And Denzel Washington goes, yeah, a man like that would like to think that. But I would want to remind that man of the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. I'd want him to imagine that. And I'd give him a chance. I'd give him a chance to, to rethink his life and rethink his decisions. So the guy gets up, walks away, has his bodyguards that get taken out in like 16 seconds by Denzel Washington. Then Denzel Washington sits down, the guy's bodyguards are kind of dead all over the floor. And the guy's like, you know, shaking in his boots. And Denzel Washington looks at him and says, there's two kinds of pain. The pain that hurts and the pain that alters. He says, today I'm going to let you choose. So Friday night, because I'm preaching to men. I mean, obviously it's not a cherish message. I'm going to preach this at cherish, okay? But it's a, it, it, it's a men's message. The masculinity side of God doesn't just, doesn't just handle this. and they, they rise to it. If you will choose. That, now listen, this life has pain. I have found that the greatest way to stop the pain that hurts is to choose the pain that alters. If you will embrace the pain that alters, the, the pain that alters is drawn to the altar. Gideon builds an altar. Gideon builds an altar. Why does he build an altar? Because God will meet you in your seat, but he transforms at the altar. The, 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 pain, the pain that alters was, I remember the first time I had, a, had one of the pain that alters in, my, in my, my relationship with my Liani was where we were fighting and fighting and I refused to give up territory. I refused to give up. Can I just tell you, you can never resolve conflict when your focus is to to catalog and list your spouse's faults and then you fortify yourself that until you deal with that I'm you know, I'm not even letting you look in you you don't even have a voice and and so so we're at a stalemate because she's like well all these things are wrong with you I'm like yeah well all these things are wrong with you and you left the lid off the milk it's, you know because I had to one up her and so so, you know, if you're trying to one-up each other, who's the most offended and who's the most hard done by and who's the worst person in the world, and you're not going to get any resolve. Resolve, resolve. resolve happens, and I'm 30 years in, so I've, I've made so many mistakes, I've learned a few things. Resolve happens where Leanne and I now know that when there's conflict, when there's, when there's arguments, I know it's a dead end. I know, I know there's no resolve if I... If I if I make my focus all the things that are broken and wrong in her, what I found is if I would flip it and do a Christ, if I would flip it and do a Jesus, if I would flip it into pain that alters, pain that alters, if I will say to her, baby, here's the scalpel, 
here's the knife. I, I don't understand why we're fighting right now. I know that I have blind spots and I know that God sent you to be my helper. Show me, darling, like what am I, what am I missing? What, what, what in me is contributing to us? I don't want to live like this and I know you don't want to live like this. All of a sudden, the knife that she had, because we were both knife fighting, we were like Steven Seagal knife fighting. All of a sudden... She puts down the knife and she very, very gently takes the scalpel and then she's like, well, I, I, I probably made a little more of it. I, I said it was a, you know, a massive tumour the size of a great, it's probably more like a, but if you just let me make a little incision. It's, it's pain, but it's pain that alters. That's how you resolve conflict. Pain that alters is pain that alters is men standing around confessing their struggles to one another. It's 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 painful. It's not, it's not pleasurable. It's not fun. But it's pain that alters. I I, le- I learned about I learned about alters uh, when when I was a youth pastor. When when uh, God. God kind of set me up in C3 and I became the youth pastor. And, and uh, if I was honest, when, when we moved from New Zealand, Pastor Alicia, to, to Sydney, Sydney was, it, the Northern Beaches was like the, the high end. It was like the, the Rancho Santa Fe, La Jolla of, of Sydney. It was all wealthy. It was all, you know, upper class, middle to upper class. And so what I didn't realise was all these kids were brats. I remember talking to one of the pastor's kids and I'm like, hey, you know, youth group Friday night, where's your Bible? And she goes, Pfft. I'm like, no, no, serious. Like, where's your Bible? Because I'm going to be preaching Bible. She goes, as if. I'm like, oh, dear God, where have you sent me? These kids are too cool for God. They roll their eyes up as if I'd bring a Bible. What if someone sees me? And there's one of the pastor's kids. It was just insane. So, so I was exasperated. I was trying all my tricks. Nothing was working. Telling funny stuff. Nothing was working. So I went into Pastor Phil Pringle's office and I said, Pastor Phil, man, I don't know how to break through. And he goes, why don't you do a month of revival meetings? I'm like, a month? A month of, yeah, just do a month every night. Revival meetings for a whole month. I thought, because I'll backslide. A month every night? So I managed to whittle him down to 10 nights. I him, whittled it down to 10 nights. So I got him down to 10 nights. So the problem was 10, I, 10 nights, I had seven great sermons, Katie. So I'm like, shoot, how am I going to stretch these over 10 nights? I've only got seven. I've got to find three. And then, then one of my friends, Russell Evans from Planet Shaker, says, hey, listen, we've got this, this preacher from America. He's like the number one Assemblies of God youth communicator, and he's available on this date. And it just happened to fall on the first date. I'm like, bring it. Now I've only got nine. You know, like I've only got to find another two. So this guy comes, and he was like, you know, this, this I mean, great preacher. I mean, he was he was preach, and he was he was amazing, and I'm just like looking around, and we got maybe 150 kids in this room. I'm looking around, going, "Oh my God, this is incredible! This is incredible!" And then he gets to the altar call and goes, "Every head bowed, every eye closed," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, people are going to get saved." And he's like, if, "If there's sin in your life, if there's compromise in your," and I'm looking across, you know, you're not meant to look. 
you know, the, the preachers, every head bad, every eye closed. But you're, you're the youth pastor. You kind of feel like you're, you're somewhat exempt. So, you know, so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't open my eyes. I just opened an eye. And I'm just... Like I just, I just, and, and I'm looking across and I see, I see Nick. And Nick was, I mean, night clubbing and then church son. And I knew, he knew that I knew. And so, and there are people here and you're living one foot in the world and one in the kingdom and God's calling you. And, uh, you know, just come on forward to the altar call. And I'm like, oh, anything, Nick, come on, Nick. And I'm waiting to hear and then I don't hear. So I'm like looking, I'm like, and Nick's just kind of got his head down. I'm like, Nick, Nick, psst, Nick. And he looks at me. I said, he's talking to me. Go. He's talking about you. That's you. That's you. Just Nick. And, he, and Nick, just go, Nick just looks at me. And goes, I'm like, and so then he keeps going. And then and there are, Probably young ladies here and just to fit in, you've compromised. Oh, I know she was in my office. I'm like, psst. Susie, psst, psst. And she's, same thing. She's like, psst. I'm like, God, these people are pathetic. So now he's trying everything. There are people here and, and you've thought of sin. You got a heartbeat and a pulse. You need to get out here and get saved. I mean, he's trying everything. And nobody's getting saved. It's terrible. Caesar, it's, nobody's, nobody's moving. Nobody's moving. So I'm like, God, you got to bring breakthrough. God, you got to bring breakthrough. And then as clear as I've ever heard God speak, he, he, God speaks to me. He goes, Yergs, you go forward. And I'm like, <laughs> ah. Oh, that's funny. Now, I'm being serious, God. How do I get breakthrough? And he goes, you go forward. I said, God, I can't go forward. Now he's on sexual sin. Because it's teenagers. It's teenagers. He's preaching the tears. He knows nothing's worked yet. Just go into sexual sin. There are people, men here and you lusting after a woman. You, you find a female attractive. You know, uh, you know, and so I'm like, so he's talking about sexual sins. And I'm like, God, just let this one ride because people have got to go. And as he's, pre I'm like, that one, yeah, that one, that, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, I had that one. And, and God's like, Jurgs, go forward. I'm like, God, <laughs> oh, this might come as a shock to you, but um, I'm the youth leader. Like, have a look at my office door. It says, youth pastor Jürgen. Obviously, they spelled Matesius wrong, but I give them grace. But it has, my door says, youth pastor. I say, I can't go forward. I'm the leader. And God says, no, no, no. You need to lead. I'm like, what? He's like, lead, youth leader. So I get up. And this guy, like, you know, he's, he's still going on the, on the sexual sand. And I'm walking forward going, you can do that? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But, you know, he's, and, and he's, he's, you know, he's, and then he's, he's, and then he's looking at me, he's looking at me going, no wonder no one else is moving. The youth pastor is backslidden. 
And I'm kind of like walking forward to the altar, the only one walking forward to the altar. And then there was a voice that I'd never heard before in here. And this voice said, just, just yelled, don't do it, run. What are you doing? Get out of here, run. It was like Elmo. It was like Elmo's voice. And, uh, and I'm like, and I, hang on, so I stopped. I'm like, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I, I shouldn't go forward. No, what will people think? I'm like, God, exactly. Have you heard this voice? What will people think? And God goes, Yerks, Yerks, that's pride. Are you pride? Uh-huh. Get out of here. And so, so, so then, I, then, then I go, for, so, so now this is a true story. The, the preacher's preaching. Everyone's sitting in their seats and there's one person on the altar. And, and he moves the microphone away. And he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm just like. <laughs> now watch this, watch it. No, it gets, oh, don't clap. It gets worse. It gets worse. So then, then like. The only way I can imagine this story is like God in heaven is like, Gabriel, Gabriel, Michael, put that demon down. Just come and take a break. Come and look at this. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Just, just take a break. Quiet. Take a break. Come and look at this. Look at this. Look at Yerkes. Look at Yerkes. Look at Yerkes. Look at him. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Hey, Yerkes. Yeah. Neil who? Neil down. Do you know how hard it is to look cool and kneel? I don't know if there's a cool way to kneel. There is, there is no, and this is a true story. So I kneel and as I kneel, the preacher sees that the only person who has responded is the youth pastor and he's kneeling down the front and he just goes. leaves the meeting and I'm down the front kneeling like this and this voice goes you idiot and I'm I'm trying to agree with pride because pride is and the next minute the next minute for the next 30 seconds all I heard was No, it's not working. All I heard was the ruffling of chairs. The ruffling of chairs. And I opened my eyes and I looked this way. And the altar's full and I looked that way. And the altar's full. And behind me, the, and people are on their knees. And people are weeping. And people are crying. And if I was honest with you, that was the day everything shifted. That was the day everything shifted. 
in our youth group, our youth exploded. We had kids getting saved, lives changed, people transformed every single week. Can I tell you, God will touch you. He will meet you in your seat, but He transforms at the altar. But for you to understand the altar, you've got to be willing to embrace pain that alters. I found this, if you will embrace the pain that alters, you will actually escape the pain that hurts. The pain that hurts is she's leaving you. If you would have just embraced the pain that alters, you wouldn't be experiencing the pain that hurts with she's leaving you. My children are estranged from me. I lost my job. I lost my business. I lost respect. I lost my... If you will embrace the pain that alters. Number three, last one. Oh my gosh. Why does it say 225 and it's 1033? Come on, stand, stand to your feet. I, I didn't realize. I was looking at the countdown. I didn't look at the, the timer. No, I can't. I can't. No. I'll, I, I promise I'll finish. Stand, stand, stand to your feet. Because I can, I can land this. I can land this and make a shift. I, can, I promise you. Point number three is valour. Valor, courage, valor is required to believe truth. I want you to just lift your hands high. Valor is re required to believe truth. Both Pastor Tracy and Pastor Rex spoke about the devil's greatest hold over your life is who you used to be. The devil's greatest hold over your life is to remind you who you used to be. That's why Saul changed his name to Paul. He changed his name to Paul because he was creating a division. He knew that now I'm born again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Sorry, 5.17 Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In 21, the Bible says that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus was calling Simon, Simon, until the encounter in Matthew 16 where He says, you're no longer Simon, you are Peter. You're Peter, you're the rock, you're firm, you're steadfast, you got strength. But just a few chapters later, Luke 22, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. He doesn't go after Peter, he doesn't go after who God has made you. He goes after who you once were. He tries to remind you of who you once were. You are, you're just this scumbag. You're just this sinner. You're this foul. You're an abuser. You're, 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 you've never, every company you've ran, it's always had problems because you're the, he, he tries to remind you of your past. So let me just say this, and I want you to let it land, but it requires courage. It requires valor for you to believe that you are who God says you are. Exodus 7 verse 1, Exodus 7 verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. From Exodus chapter 3, 4, 5 and 6, Moses is telling God, I'm, I can't speak, I stutter, I'm, I'm not a man, I can't. He's giving God four chapters of all of his past disqualifications. And finally, God is fed up with him. And in Exodus 7, 1, he says, Moses, 
I need you to stop seeing yourself through your past and seeing yourself through your failures. I need you to see that I have made you as God. Begin to see who, let me just say this, hands lifted, hands lifted. You, if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, you are not a sinner. You are not a sinner trying to get righteous. You're not a sinner struggling to become righteous. You are not a sinner battling to become righteous. You are the righteousness of God. Battling to defeat and eliminate any areas where there's been sin in your life. You are right. God, when Jesus died on the cross, He made you righteous. He made you sinless. We gather around a campfire because we identify, because I know as a king, the first area that I need to rule is my own life, my own world. So I identify areas of weakness. I identify areas of struggle. I identify areas of sin and compromise. And then I know that my job is to go to war against those things because I am the righteousness of God. And where there's sin, where there's compromise, where there's, my job is to go on a warfare to not only defeat, but to eliminate from my life so that my life is congruent with what God says, that He says that I'm His child. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He moved out transgressions from us. That, that, that I am now the righteousness of God. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Men are on mission. We heard that men are never not on mission. Men are always on mission. When men lose their mission in their marriages, their marriages, their wives will falter with submission. Submission isn't an issue with the wife. Submission is always an issue with the husband. Where did you lose your mission that no longer inspires her to come under it. Sub means to come under. When you have a mission with your life, a mission for God, a mission for kingdom, a mission for purpose, a mission to expand, a mission to flourish, a mission, you'll find submission is no problem. Come on, lift your hands high. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I thank You that You are attracted to valor. I thank You that today I can choose the pain that alters to avoid the pain that hurts. And I thank You today that I have the courage to believe the truth about what You speak over my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great praise. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.